There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Again, delighted to be back with you again. This is the 323rd show, so we've been uh, going quite a while if you're listening to the first time. And I'm going to be delighted today to interview you to introduce you to an amazing guy John Livesay we're going to talk about irresistible selling and getting to irresistible um, from being invisible and um, before I really introduce you to John I want to say a big thank you as I always do to my guest Blair Enns and uh, who was on the show last week from Canada and I thought it was a fascinating conversation last week because having been involved myself in in pitches to win work and uh, having been involved on the other side with um, with many organizations and at least to be in procurement running marketing pitches um, it was just interesting to have the conversation about how can we maybe avoid these very expensive pitch situations and have conversations that enable us to um, put in our, our bids and, our, and without giving away all of our intellectual property as well for no cost. So if you're interested in doing that, Blair's book has literally transformed uh, the way that um, a lot of these agencies now operate because they were bringing on this uh, this challenge um, themselves. So do go into that if you're interested, if you're a consultant, um, you're a, a coach, you're a, um, you know pitching and um, finding yourself in these situations, I'll go and listen to the interview with Blair Enns. So I'm going to talk today with uh, my guest, um, John uh, Livesay, and John's based in L.A., and uh, I just want to share a little story because John and I spoke for the first time in the beginning of last week, and I was introduced to him, thank you, by our mutual great friend, Judy Robinette, and really reminded me of just the amazing kind of world of serendipity and uh, uh, and what can sometimes go on in terms of us, you know, connecting with people who can help us to speak to pe- other people that we want to speak to and the sort of serendipitous nature of life. And I was just saying to John when we first met that I'd just been coaching a, a lovely client of mine. She's a speaker uh, called Jaina Mystery. And Jaina's actually sadly lost her eyesight at the age of 18. And I don't just asked her. I said, Jane, sorry, J- uh, Jaina, who, who in the world of, um, you know, of, of, of people who are very successful but have also lost their eyesight would you like to speak to and she said oh, i just love there's one person i would love to speak to more than anybody and his name's isaac lidsky well we finished that call and then i uh, i called john and I, I happened to tell john just a little bit about jane and he said well um if you like um i could interview introduce you to a great friend of mine and a great guest called isaac lidsky and we were just like whoa this is amazing so jane is now having a call with him and he's coming on the show soon. And I just thought it was a wonderful example of serendipity. And the following day, I was wandering through, wandering through Covent Garden in London. I'd just been to a meeting. And I just thought about um, somebody I really needed to connect with and have a conversation with. And he walked past me at that mm-hmm. very moment. And uh, he said to me, Chris, I really wanted to catch up with you. So, again, um, serendipity is just all around us. So how can your sales approach become really irresistible now i want to explore this um subject with and the power of storytelling with john livesay aka the pitch whisperer he's a sales keynote speaker and he um just shares um lots of great lessons 
um, from his experience of being an award-winning salesperson, having a great career at uh, Condé Nast. And he's got a keynote, it's called Getting to Irresistible, and he shows uh, companies' sales teams how to become irresistible, so they're magnetic to their ideal clients. Uh, his new book is called Better Selling Through Storytelling, and it comes out, uh, it's just coming out, I think. And um, he's also got a very successful pitch podcast, which he's heard in over 60 countries. It's a successful pitch. Uh, so a great person to talk to. And I'm, I'm really amazed looking at his website, actually. He's got some really cool clients if you have a look at it and some amazing from feedback from people as well around you know the way um, that he is able to share incredible insights and tell stories from the stage and and get people kind of really enraptured to what he's um, he's thinking about um, he's appeared on tv on tv on a number of occasions um he say so currently lives in uh, los angeles where he's very close to his two king charles spaniels and um, we like dogs on this show uh, he's an active supporter of Project Angel Food, which delivers food to people who are homebound with critical illness. So let's talk about the competitive world of selling and how you can become irresistible, become that first choice rather than being just another invisible salesperson. So a huge welcome today to John Lifesay. Chris, thanks for letting me uh, join you today. It's exciting to have a conversation with someone who's as passionate about life and selling as I am. No, brilliant talking to you. I uh, I really enjoyed our conversation last week, and, and I'm very excited about this show as well. It's something we both, uh, as you say, share a passion with, and uh, and obviously you're uh, we're opposite sides of a very big um, pond um, <laughs> to each other at the moment. I'm, I'm always intrigued to sort of ask people about you know some of their sort of background and you know where they grew up. I think it's fascinating to find out about different people's lives and really you know the lessons that they learned from their childhood that have helped them today. So I'd like to put that question to you. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and you know, what were the key lessons from your childhood that just still sit with you and help you on a day-to-day basis? I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago in the Midwest. Oh, and one of my biggest lessons was when I was a competitive swimmer, I was also a lifeguard. Oh. And you're trained to you know, take care of everybody's safety in the pool. And normally it's just about blowing your whistle and telling people not to run on wet cement. But there was a day when I did have to save a little girl's life when she dived off the high dive for the first time and got panicked and was choking. And I had to stay calm. And I realized that all of that training I had done came into effect when I needed it. And that concept of staying calm and not panicking is one of the key life lessons from my childhood that I still use today, whether something unexpected is happening or like in my case, at one point I got uh, laid off during 2008 from Condé Nast and, and staying calm is what really allowed me to actually get rehired by them and win salesperson of the year. But had I not stayed calm, that would never have happened. I, I think we've got another little common link then John because I've been um, I, I journal a lot and I found that very very helpful and one of the areas that I've, I've journaled on of late and I've been reminding myself on a daily basis is that I'm the calm in the storm mm. because I've realized that often you know I'm, I'm going into situations and helping people where there's a lot of turmoil and also when you've got a family with two young children you can find yourself uh, amidst <laughs> the storm as well so I, by really kind of meditating on that and just aiming to be you know, calm in any situation. I've certainly found my, my family has uh, become calm and uh, more productive. And, and I kind of quite known with my clients, you know, to bringing that sense of calmness into their spaces where they can maybe, you know, think a bit differently. So mm-hmm. really get that. Well, it's actually one of my secrets I give clients on how to 
get more sales, more yeses. Because the old way of selling is, you know, you ask somebody, do you want to buy the house if you're a real estate agent? And then you, whoever speaks first after that quote closing question technically loses. But I tell people, you know, you have so much anxiety in your head. I need this commission. If I have to show them another house, I'm going to go crazy. So they are uncomfortable with the silence and they'll say, oh, what if I throw in the refrigerator? Would you buy it then? And you've missed the chance for them to say yes or no. So I tell people, ask someone if they want to buy, hire you, whatever it is. And then just literally say this phrase to yourself two or three times. I am patient and calm. And that people will pick up on. You're giving them the space to make a decision. And I've had real estate agents double their sales because that extra five or 10 seconds of silence without stressful energy coming at the person is making a huge difference. I once had a situation, uh, John, where I, I was in a a negotiation and I discovered that the person, the company I was negotiating with, which I won't mention them because they're a big, well-known brand, where where it was a sponsorship deal and uh, and we were using their their well-known brand on on packs of confectionery, and we were having this this conversation. I had a brand manager with me, a young brand manager, and. I discovered that we were paying about half a million pounds more than anybody else for this um, this uh, to be on their on you know have their brand on the pack. And when I asked the question as to why, it was well because we felt you could afford it. So I made the suggestion. I said, well, you know, I don't think that's actually you don't understand our business, and I don't think that's actually fair or comparable. So I'd like to you know suggest to you that actually you know you equalise the prices so that there's parity. Otherwise we're going to walk away from this. And I kept completely quiet and the brand, and I could see the minds were, were whirring over. And I was just about to get a response when the brand manager chipped in and said, Oh yeah, he couldn't cope with the science, but of course, of course, you know, this late stage, we wouldn't want to change anything. And he, I reckon that he mm. cost us 500,000 pounds. And, uh, you know, he got, uh, he got quite a rocket when we got outside. Uh, <laughs> but also, you know, I learned in that situation that I need to, I'm in that situation with people, I need to just remind them that um, silence is important and well, uh, it, it can be used as a strategy. The, the key for me is if you're comfortable with the silence in the room when you become comfortable with the silence in your head. Mm-hmm. And you can do that through meditation or exercise or whatever it is that lets you quiet that negative self-talk and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And what's life like living in Los Angeles then? It always seems a very, I've only been once, but it was an amazing place. And um, yeah, and when when we're going to expect your handprint on Hollywood Boulevard? (laughs) Well, I don't know about the handprint anytime soon, but I do love living here. There's a certain vibrancy and excitement. And, you know, I think you can make that anywhere you live. And the key is connecting with people that are like-minded and I've been fortunate enough to build up a wonderful group of friends and my uh, family lives here. So it allows me to be passionate. And, you know, I made a connection through somebody who knew, knows Larry King. And that's what allowed me to get on Larry King's uh, show, which airs here in Los Angeles. Uh, another friend of mine I met works at Netflix. He invited me to go to the corporate headquarters the day after the Academy Awards. So I got to see how they were celebrating their win for Roma and how historic that was. So if you um, take advantage of the place that you're living in and whatever format that is, and this is all about entertainment and that's part of your passion, then it can make anywhere you live wonderful. 
I could, I could imagine you when I met you, you know, being absolutely brilliant on the, you know, interviewing people on the line in the Oscars or something like that as they're coming out. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a natural curiosity and I love entertainment. And so I like to ask people uh, questions a little more interesting than just what are you wearing? Well, I, I, one of the things I think about with Los Angeles is the movie Pretty Woman and Rodeo Drive. And, and I think one of the, you know the the, the bits of the sh- the film that really stand out for me is when uh, you know Julie Roberts uh, went into a shop looking at clothes and there were some terrible sales assistants in there. They gave her no empathy because of the way they dressed. Uh, until later on, when they realised that she had shim- she had she had money and it was too late. Um, and you know, in my opinion, they they were not irresistible anyway. Um, and I just wonder, you know, what made you come up with this concept of this irresistible selling and uh, you know why is it important well yes i love that movie too i remember her asking them the question you work on commission right yes big mistake right and that gets the big laugh as she walks mm-hmm. out so th- this concept of judging people judging a book by its cover it's been around forever but now more than ever you can't judge whether someone's going to be a qualified uh client for you based on appearance. The concept of writing better selling through storytelling so that I could show people how to get to this beyond yes, you want to get to the place where you're irresistible, is very much because people jump in. It's almost like dating. When you go out on a first date, you don't ask someone to marry you typically. And yet salespeople feel like, hello, my name is, and would you like to buy this? And that's as big of a disconnect as asking someone to marry you on the first date. So I've created this whole ladder of going from invisible to insignificant to interesting and then intriguing. And then you get to irresistible and realizing you have to figure out where do my clients see me on this ladder and what can I do to move up a rung as opposed to jumping to the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, So every... You'd, every little move that you make with a client and every interaction is taking you up this ladder towards this state of irresistibility. It kind of builds over time. Yes, exactly. With, with you know, every, in, remote, every step. In, 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 in dating, irresistible is when you've gone out with someone, you can't stop thinking about them, you're sending texts, you're telling all your friends. The same thing is true in business. You've got a really great client and they can't wait to tell all their friends and give you referrals. They become your brand ambassador. So that's why it's not enough to just get to yes, you have to get to irresistible. Mm. And, and, and this, you wrote this, you wrote the book, uh, Better Selling Through Storytelling. Um, it wasn't, um, you know, it was, it was using that as the angle rather than irresistibility. Um, what, why would, did you write this particular book? Why was that? So well, for me, I wanted to help as many people as possible get off this self-esteem roller coaster where we only feel good about ourselves if our numbers are up and we feel bad about ourselves if our numbers are down. I was on it for years when I was at uh, Condé Nast and it's exhausting and it causes a lot of people to burn out. And I realized that the old way of selling, which is pushing your information out, doesn't work anymore. A lot of people say, well, if I just throw enough stuff out there, it's like spaghetti on the wall, some of it might stick. And I said, well... That might work for spaghetti, but it doesn't work for the new way of selling. The new way of selling is to tell stories that pull people in as opposed to pushing your message out. And that pulling in is what makes you magnetic, and it also keeps you as a salesperson from burning out. So this new skill set of 
telling stories instead of just telling information because at the end of the day, people buy transformation, not information. Mm, like it. And, and I mean, have you got, we've got two minutes till commercial break. Have you mm. got a short favorite story that you share sometimes? You know, that give, helps people to understand this. Yes. The, the biggest um, thing about transformation versus information is when you tell a story of someone else you've helped that's just like this other person and you're painting the picture of what life is like, you make the hero in the story your client, not you. You're Yoda in Star Wars or you're the Sherpa on Mount Everest. Mm. And at the end of that story, your closing question is, does that sound like the kind of journey you'd like to go on? And that's a whole new way of getting someone to engage with you as opposed to, do you want to buy from me? Mm. Yeah, really, really connecting with them on a, a deep level, mm-hmm. an emotional level. Exactly. Yeah. Because people, people buy emotionally and, and then back it up with logic. So that's why it makes no sense to just throw out a bottom of information and hope people say yes. Yeah, 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 great, These special moments. I guess this is a little bit about you're not just connecting with the head, it's, it's like deeply connecting with somebody, with the heart. We actually, it starts below that, it's your gut, do I trust yeah. you? And then it moves to the heart, do I like yeah. you? And then it moves to the head, can I see myself in this story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really get that about, about connecting with the gut. I think it's, uh, I was talking to a friend, Owen Suleban, who uh, was, was a member of the Russell Crowe, band and uh, tours with him amazing amazing guitar player and irish musician and we were really talking together about that and about you know connecting at a gut level um as well as a heart and and head um how important all of that is so we're going to go to commercial break now um, and after the break you know i want to find out you know a bit more about some of the sort of components of telling really great stories and and how that helps you move up this ladder from invisibility Uh, through to irresistibility so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes please come back when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with John Live saying we're talking about irresistible selling and getting to irresistible and, and also how within that journey, storytelling is just so important. And I've been um, I was having a good look at John's website. I really, really do like John's website and I see it see a lot. And the thing I noted on there, there's just some wonderful testimonials on there where John's really helped businesses take their sales to new levels. And, and it's clear from those feedback that he really does wow audiences when he's speaking to them. And, uh, and I kind of wonder from, um, you know, from your perspective, you talked about moving up the ladder and we talked about um, storytelling, which we'll come back to in a, in a moment. But, you know, what are the key factors that you've really got to consider to uh, move up that journey to being truly irresistible? Well, I think the key factors to becoming irresistible is first identifying where you are on that ladder. And the way to do that is to say, you know, don't make the assumption that everyone's heard of you or that everyone's heard of your new product, at least. Maybe they've heard of your company. So if you're clearly invisible, then you have to, you know, say, all right, let's get on their radar. Who do we know we could get a warm introduction to, something along those lines. And then you move up to insignificant. And in dating, I don't know what's worse, Chris. You're invisible. I know you're here, but you're insignificant to me. (laughs) But in the business world, that insignificant looks like um, oh, yeah, you sell life insurance. I'm not in the market for that. Um, and then finally, you get up to something interesting. And again, back to dating, maybe you say something clever or witty. Someone says, oh, maybe I wrote you off too fast, but I'm not going out with you yet. The same thing in business. I'm not ready to buy, but I'm at least interested to hear a little bit more. And then I've literally worked with clients when I've come up with an idea that they hadn't considered. For example, when I was speaking to Anthem Insurance, I'd ask them what other things they were doing after I gave my keynote if they decided to hire me. And they said, well, at the end of the day, we're going to have an improv session and people from the audience will shout out objections and people on stage role playing will have to answer them. And I said, oh, well, what if I stayed and would whisper in their ear if they got stuck some suggestions from my keynote? And they said, oh, that's intriguing. Tell me more. And then that's what made me become irresistible because nobody else was willing to do that or thought to do that. And that's how I got to become irresistible with them. Brilliant. Oh, that's a really good way. Just, uh, yeah, and, and you're connecting with, with people in the, in the floor as well, mm-hmm. um, getting, getting opportunity to get kind of close to you and, uh, and uh, get, some, get some support and input. That's, that's brilliant. Uh, so uh, yeah, and it is. It is sometimes it's those small things, isn't it? It's remembering, remembering people's birthdays, or mm-hmm. you know, having a conversation with them about their their kids. And I talked to a very senior person this week, and I'd not spoken to before. Huge, um, massive, uh, massive uh, corporate corporate role, and uh, I did some research around her, 
and I, I realized she had four children and one of them was uh, same age as mine. So mm-hmm. I, the first thing I did was, uh, you know, she, she was in New York, not at home. And I asked her about the, I asked her about her children and uh, asked her about the name, the oldest one. And, um, and said, told her about my son, and suddenly the conversation then was all about, um, oh gosh, isn't Fortnite frustrating? And and, and, how <laughs> you, and we suddenly had this warm common bond before we'd even started, and then then we had a lovely conversation. Um, but it just sort of broke the rapport, really. Yes, people connect emotionally, and it goes back to what we were saying before. You know, they have to trust you, like you, and then know you. And most people think, well, if they know me and they know how great my product is then they'll eventually like me and trust me. But if you start from the top down, it's not going to work as well as if you start from the gut to the heart to the head. Yeah, yeah. So gut gut from the heart to the head. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that. In fact, the handshake was to show you didn't have a weapon in your hand. That, you know, the fight or flight response kicks down. That's what trust is. Is that where the handshake came from? Mm Mm-hmm. I never knew that. Well, you have you have a few more guns over there than we do. <laughs> Unfortunately, at the moment, yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, I never never realised that's where the handshake came from. Um, and I suppose you know also, you know, do you have to be mind? I mean, is appearance important where you kind of dress? Well, I you know came from Condé Nast, where we were when I was working there. You were expected to look like you stepped out of the pages of the magazine. I think. Appearance is important in terms of brand consistency. So if you are going to be Mark Zuckerberg and be known for hoodies and things like that, great. At least that's your brand. So I think whatever it is you are known for, as long as you're authentic in the way you uh, make an appearance. And personally, my recommendation is um, you can never really overdress. Obviously, you're not going to wear a tuxedo or anything, but you can be a step up. If nobody else is wearing a sports coat, it's okay that you are, especially if you're the person um, presenting and asking someone to hire you or or buy from you. Yeah, I think that's uh, a good guy, isn't it? One step up. Mm -hmm. One step up. So I know you you really love um, the power of storytelling. Um, How do you best use your stories within the sales process? Mm. This is one of my favorite ways of helping people. Um, I was working with an architecture firm and they would have to get up in front of people to pitch their firm versus other firms. And they would just say something boring, typically like, thanks for this opportunity. I'm excited to be here. And I said, okay, anyone can say that it's trite and nobody cares that you're excited to be here. Let's tell a story of why you're here. So the opening became, your CEO has tasked you from getting this airport ranked from 24 to number one in five years, and we have the right team to do it because we've done it for another airport, and that's what we're here to do, to make you look good. We've already told the story of someone else you've helped. Yeah. And then, then it gets to the team slide, where you say, if you hire us, here's the people you'd be working with. And they were saying, my name is Joe, I've been here five years, my name is Sue, I've been here six years, here's what I do. I said, that's not interesting either. What made you become an architect? Well, when I was 11 years old, I played with Legos, and that inspired me to learn to build things. And now I have a son that's 11. I still play with Legos, and I bring that enthusiasm to this job. Oh, Sue, what did you do before here? Well, I was in the Israeli army, and I bring that same discipline and focus I learned from that to this to make sure this job comes on time and under budget. Now we're using stories to paint a picture and get people to know us and like us and trust us. And when all that happens, you become memorable. So when the next 
firm comes in after you and they're just telling a bunch of information, guess who they're going to hire? The people who told the best stories. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's... um. It, it it does make a distance. I think one of the one, one memory I, I really have of which I look back on with fondness was uh, getting asked to do a big pitch and uh, they asked me not to do a credentials presentation but to facilitate <laughs> a session with the group um, mm-hmm. around their kind of learning needs and I, I walked in and uh, the, the room was um, there was a it was a, quite a large group there's about a, a a dozen senior people around a table and it had been somebody's birthday as well so they got cake on the table so uh, I introduced myself and I asked them about the birthday and then I, you know, I told them a little you know, story about myself and a, a failed relationship and, uh, uh, and, and I could link it to the hotel we were in actually. And so mm. I told them this funny story and, uh, you know, then they were laughing and they were kind of on my side and I'd shared something that was a bit vulnerable. Um, but, but I came out of that session and I just, um, I actually, actually I, 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 I burst into tears when I got in the car cause I knew it had just mm. gone that well. Um, uh. I, I, you know, just, just suddenly, felt, you know, I almost felt like someone, you know, somebody was, uh, was supporting me through that kind of process because it just went so well. And I won that piece of work and I also was given, um, a, a larger piece of work as well, um, as a result of it. But it was just, you know, I think I really connected at a heart level with people and told stories. And, uh, mm-hmm. so it was one of my proudest moments. And when I haven't done that, um, I was just pleased as well not to have to have, the, have to produce a credentials presentation actually. Yes. It worked in my favour. Um, so yeah, uh, I think heart, heartfelt kind of stories and that uh, show experience. And I think also not being not being afraid, maybe to to also um, admit when you've done something wrong and you've learned from it. Well, that's how people connect is through our yeah. vulnerabilities. And in fact, the FBI uses empathy as their number one negotiating tool. And my philosophy is the better you can explain the problem you're solving and have empathy for the clients the more they think you have the solution. And again, that goes to painting that picture and telling that story and showing the empathy of it. That, that's really important, then, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to, to really be able to um, explain, you know, to be able to connect with them and, and, and feel their pain. Um, exactly, yes. Yeah, that's really, so it becomes, because the challenge is you can go in and you can start to share what you have as opposed to really understanding what they have and how they feel. Mm-hmm. If you can tell you somebody, look, I've been in your shoes or I had another client that was just like you and here's how I helped them. Mm. Then that's, then they're seeing themselves in the story and they think, Oh, he gets me or she gets me. And therefore I'm in, I'm seeing myself in the story. That's the secret sauce to good storytelling. Instead of just telling a case study of before and after and some details, you're painting a picture where they see themselves in the story and want to go on that journey with you. As the Sherpa. And one, and one um, area I also think is very, very interesting, uh, I know you've got views on this, is the elevator pitch. Mm. When you first meet people and you explain what you do. And, and I've heard people go do very, you know, very different ways with the elevator pitch from a very sort of succinct statement through to, you know, much more of a, much more of a story, um, which can take a little bit, little bit longer. Where, where do you sit with the elevator pitch? You know, how do you you think you should create, people should create a a pitch that's like truly, and in your words, magnetic. (laughs) Well, my my opinion, an elevator pitch is not an invitation for a 10-minute monologue. The goal of an elevator pitch is to get people to say this, Chris. Hmm, that's interesting. Tell me more. You've intrigued them enough with something. So, for example, sometimes I'll say, 
You know how everybody needs a good elevator pitch and few people have one? Well, I'm known as the pitch whisperer, and I help people go from invisible to irresistible. And when that happens, their business takes off, and I stop. And people go, well, what's a pitch whisperer? I know what a horse whisperer is. Our brain craves you know, something new. And then I have, oh, well, a hor- much like a horse whisperer, I help people with their confidence. And I answer the three unspoken questions that everyone has when they hear you pitch anything. And I stop. And that's an open loop. People go, well, what are those three unspoken questions? So you can see how it becomes a conversation. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you're you're creating a little bit of a little bit of mystery in mm-hmm. what you do to enable you to have that conversation because people kind of like to uh, if something's a little bit mysterious to be able to find out that little bit more. Right. Well, our brain craves new information. So when you put two things together that people hadn't heard before, like a pitch whisperer versus a horse whisperer or a dog whisperer, they're like, oh, what? I don't know what that is. What's that? Something new? You know, like the new shiny toy. Your, your brain goes, what's that? You get it. You know, and then you, so you want to come up with something that pulls people in. Mm. Mm. So uh, did, did you learn this? What, did, you, did this idea come to you while you were playing with your King Charles Spaniels? <laughs> well, ironically, when I was being interviewed by Inc. Magazine, and I was describing to them how I um, helped people come up with a pitch and was in the, whispering in the ears of the people at Anthem Insurance when they would get stuck. And they said, oh, could you be in my ear when I'm out in the sales field? The, the reporter from Mickey Magazine said, oh, you're, you're the pitch whisperer. And I said, I like that. So you never know where the branding is going to come from. Ah, yes. Oh, thank you. I'll have that. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's great, isn't it, when those things just magically appear and suddenly, ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aha moment. Um, how do you ensure, though, that someone, you know, you tell a story, but how do you ensure that in that story people can truly see themselves in it so you don't miss, well, the, miss the bullseye? Right. I think um, the key is to make sure your story has the four elements that make a good story because okay. if you're missing one of the four elements, then people are going to have a hard time seeing themselves in it. So one of the examples is, um, I help people with their confidence, as I mentioned, because people get nervous before they have to pitch to sell or get hired. And um, I was working with a gentleman named Martin, and I have people write down their moments of certainty when they nailed something so that they have that confidence and feeling in their head before they get up in front of an audience. He said, well, for me, the big one here was I grew up in South America. I mean, excuse me, I was born in South America, but I grew up in the Netherlands. And when he uh, turned 18, his parents took him back to South America and dropped him off naked in the Amazon jungle to survive for two weeks because in his culture, that's the rite of passage into manhood. I said, wow, Martin, that is a story. Let's work on that. I said, "Um, what did you learn in the Amazon jungle? He goes, well, I learned how to focus and pivot and persevere. I said, great. I'm going to take those lessons from the Amazon jungle into the concrete jungle of being an entrepreneur. And when he had that opening practiced, he was able to get his startup funded because investors said, we're going to give our money to the guy who survived the Amazon jungle. He'll figure out anything in business. Mm. So that's, people are in that story. And the reason is there's the four elements. The first one's exposition, and then it's problem, solution, and then the resolution. So the exposition in this case was, 
you know, he's 18 years old and naked. But I said, if you don't tell people that's a rite of passage in your culture, it sounds like child abuse. So you, you have to paint a picture enough to pe- get people in the story. And then the problem is he's got to figure out how to deal with that. And the solution is he comes up with those three life lessons. And then the resolution is he gets a startup funded from that story. And that's what makes that a good story. Mm. Yeah. And then it becomes, um, you become memorable when you've got good stories, don't you? Yes. And that's the other challenge of being someone who's being interviewed or a client being your pitch, you know, your vendor after vendor is it all blurs together. So whoever tells the best story is not only memorable, but that's who they've emotionally engaged with. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you find, I've just got a minute till commercial break now, but do you find with yourself when you're talking to audiences, that even if they've seen you before, um, if there's a story they liked, they, they like to like to still hear it again. Yes, because oftentimes, um, even like that's why people go to the movies more than once. If you have a favorite movie, or when I was a kid, my parents would read me the same book over and over again. You like going on that journey if it's a, a if it's a pleasant story, and you can always add some new nuances to it. Excellent. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now, and after the break, I want to find out a little bit about how you deal with fear, and I'd love to hear a little bit about that Larry King interview as well, which <laughs> has been quite um, quite an amazing experience for you. And uh, let's talk a little bit about closing as well and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, finish the interview off with some uh, key points that will really help people to move up that ladder to uh, irresistibility. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and uh, I'm with John Libersay. And I'm just, um, we're just having a little chat in the break, and uh, and I realised I've made the cardinal mistake. Um, you should always make sure that you get people's names right, because that's a good way to um, ensure that uh, you become invisible to them in the future. And uh, and uh, John just heard to me, oh, my name's surname's actually Libersay, so I do apologise for that. Um, and uh, I'm not only very good at asking people, but. Um, it's uh, anyway. I'm sure. Sure, John, like myself, has probably been called worse. <laughs> Much worse, especially as a kid. <laughs> yes. So good. Good to be back with you again. I'm really, really interested to um, to find out about you know your recommendations around fear because we really do feel fear sometimes during the sales process. We we, we can do, and particularly when we're we're starting out selling or we, you know, or the the opportunity seems bigger and i know you had the opportunity to be interviewed by larry king who who even i know or well of in the united kingdom as being um you know right up there in terms of uh, one of the most famous interviewers ever so yeah tell us about what it was like being interviewed by larry king but also uh, any sort of tips on when you find yourself in situations and you are nervous how do you deal with that fear well People often say, you know, I get butterflies in my stomach when I get nervous. And I say, that's normal. That's the adrenaline. That's your Super Bowl moment of this is your Olympic moment being interviewed by somebody like Larry King. So I say the goal is not to get rid of those butterflies in your stomach, but to get them to fly in formation. Use the nervous energy in your stomach and get it out. Make a gesture and get out of your head worrying about whether somebody likes you or not, and realize your purpose for being there is to be of service and to help people. And when you get out of your head worrying about whether people like you or not, get those butterflies to fly in formation, you're off and running. I think that's that's you know I think that is a is a really really important point, and I, I was mindful of that myself in terms of my. Uh, you know, probably a couple of years ago, it really dawned on me with clients. I'm, I'm somebody I, I'm very people orientated, and I like to be liked by people. And and actually, I just decided one day. Actually, from now on, I don't need to be. I don't need to be liked. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to be true to myself, and I'm going to share what I think is important, and uh, and just, and overcome that need to uh, to want everybody to feel completely happy all the time in my presence um, and I think it's I think it's really helpful because what you often find yourself doing then is giving people what they need rather than what what they think they want to hear mm-hmm. um, and I think that's I think that sets you apart and I think it's uh, for me is has been come very helpful actually in terms of people wanting to book me again and work with me again because I'm, I will tell them what they really need to hear yes Well, just going back to fear in general, you know, when I started my podcast, I was afraid of doing it. I'd never done it before. And for me, I had put some faces on it. And I think this might be really helpful for everyone that's listening today is if you figure out, well, what am I afraid of? Well, the first fear for me was the fear of rejection. What if I ask people to be on the show and nobody says yes? Then I, but if you're in sales long enough, you know how to handle rejection. And my, secret for handling rejection is to never take it personally. Sometimes when I would be selling for Condé Nast and someone would say, oh, we're going with another magazine company, I'd say, oh, maybe another person could have gotten a yes, or maybe they're right, maybe that other product is better. Never reject yourself or what you're selling when you get a no. And then the next fear for me was this fear of failure. 
well, what if I have a podcast and nobody listens to it? I'll be embarrassed and wasted time and money. And fear is just feedback. You keep going until you get a zombie idea so great it won't die. And then finally, for me, the final fear was the fear of the unknown. Well, what mic do I get? Um, What kind of questions should I ask? How do I edit this? And I find that the way to overcome the fear of the unknown is don't go it alone. So I have a whole company that produces the podcast for me so I don't have to do it. So I think if you overcome the fear of rejection by not rejecting yourself, overcome the fear of failure by looking at it as feedback, and overcome this fear of the unknown by not going it alone, you'll really have mastered fear. Mm. And it's interesting, isn't it? When you, when you do, uh, I mean, like the podcast, you know, I can relate to that. Seven and a half years ago, I did my September 2011, I did my first one. I mean, I've done some interviews before, but uh, I, I was, I was, um, I had to be honest, I had three months thinking when I'd agreed, before I agreed to, well, I was mulling over whether I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we're quite fearful. But actually, I think my fear actually disappeared, certainly in the interview process, after three interviews, mm-hmm. two three times. And after that, you just forget. And I have a lovely conversation with my guests, and I forget mm-hmm. that there might be, you know, several hundred, a thousand or whatever people listening into each into each show. And uh, I, I don't feel the fear anymore, unless very occasionally I get a guest who, you know, just completely blows my mind. And uh, I've been known since I was a child and read about uh-huh. and that sort of thing. And I'm sort of thinking, well, you know, crikey, um, <laughs> I can't quite believe I'm here talking to this person. You must have felt that with Larry King. Um, but actually, it's uh, nothing, nothing hurts you. Nothing bites you. Right. And someone like Larry King, who's interviewed literally over 60,000 people. Wow. Uh, um, and I think one of the keys there is... I really did my due diligence on him and I watched a lot of his other interviews and I had specific questions I could ask him. So when he asked me what makes a good story, I could reference a story of how he met Frank Sinatra and got his big break as an example of what makes that such a good story. So I took something that was relevant to him and had him tell that story and then broke it down into what's the resolution of why that story is so good. So if you really customize who you're talking to it helps your confidence a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember having interviewing um, Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for mm-hmm. the Soul, five hundred sure. million copies sold of the the book. And I, I'd read of the book series. I'd read quite a lot about Jack and read his his books over the years. And then I found myself interviewing him, and I, I said to him, "It's actually Jack. You know, I'm not when I interview people. I'm not usually these days, you know, nervous. But I must admit, I'm just a little little bit um, in awe." of having the opportunity to interview you today. And, uh, and I explained, I'd read his, his books and, mm-hmm. and he said to me, he said, gee, Chris, he said, don't worry about it. I, I feel the same myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I said to him, when he said, <laughs> when I talked to Barack Obama. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the truth, the truth is we all feel it, don't we? It doesn't matter who yes. we are. And um, people who are really successful are usually very gracious and know, how to calm people down and, and get them to relax because there's no sense in being intimidated. No, and you know, and I think actually just, just sharing that it was a mark of respect. That's just why I shared mm-hmm. it. Yes. Well, it's again, the vulnerability that you talked about earlier. It's good. And it, it focuses your mind and you, you do, uh, you do get on and do it. But actually I think the, uh, the rewards are always more significant, I think, than the, than, um, you know, the, the, the rewards are worth it, aren't they? Pushing yourself out there and overcoming those fears. And, and then things become a bit like riding a bike, really. 
Well, I tell people you need to get out of your comfort zone. The concept of a comfort zone doesn't even exist anymore with all the disruption happening and technology changing. So I encourage people to get into the learning zone. And when you do that, you're always going to be pushing yourself to try new things. Yeah. I, I interviewed on the show, uh, the, it was a world, it was world um, and ultra marathon record holder, Andy McMenemy, and he did 66 ultras marathons in 66 consecutive days in 66 different cities of the oh. UK. And, uh, and I remember him, him saying, his, his take on it was that all of your potential uh, lies outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and uh, that sort of stuck with my mind is you know just exploring that what what is sitting outside of my comfort zone right now and uh, you know what can I keep stepping out into uh, to help you know extend and and reach some of that potential which is there and it's uh, it's hanging around waiting for you to to move towards it but if we let fear get in the way we never you know full um, you know reach any you know our potential fully do we we missing mm-hmm. so much opportunity well it's ironic you brought that up because when larry king was telling the story of how he um got to interview frank sinatra to get his big break he was actually friends with jackie gleason who was a comedian in the 50s and jackie gleason had asked larry king what's impossible in your business they were playing that as a game talk about getting out of your comfort zone and Larry had said, well, interviewing Frank Sinatra, he's not going to do any press interviews. His son's been kidnapped. The press is saying it's a mafia connection, and he's angry, and he's not doing any. And Jackie said, oh, he owes me a favor. I can get him to do it for you. Uh. So just asking that question, what's impossible in your business, in your life, as a starting point, you never know where it could go. Absolutely. Well, that's a good uh... A good question. I've I put that in a box and I put little stars around it. Mm-hmm. Um, want to uh, want to reflect on after this interview, actually. Um, so we get to a you know situation where often during the sales process, people get to a point where they've got to ask for the sale, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes you get objections. And I just wonder what your thoughts are on becoming irresistible at that point. Well, first, I think you need to look at objections as buying signs, and not. Um, see them as something that you need to get defensive about. People don't ask questions about something they're not interested in and realize it's all a dance. I also think if you visualize yourself being a co-pilot with your buyer, and you know when, you, when I flew from L.A. to London last year and they made the announcement that we were landing in London, not one person, Chris, stood up and said, what, we're landing? We thought we were just going to fly around forever. And the same thing is true when you're in a relationship with a potential buyer. When you, it's time to ask for the order or see if they want to move forward, next steps. It should be as smooth as landing a plane. And when that has, when you're, the selling happens the entire time, not the last five minutes. And again, that's the joy of storytelling. When you're telling stories, they're in the story. The closing just becomes, does that sound like the kind of journey that would be beneficial for you? And you're like, yes, 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 I need that. I want that. Mm. We've just got a few minutes left to, to the end of the interview now. It's gone really quick. And I just wonder, who, you know, who are your ideal clients and how do you help them? My ideal clients are companies that have big sales forces, whether they're in the technology world, the healthcare world, anything to do with food or travel or design. And they need a keynote speaker to come in and open up a two-day summit and possibly do a workshop with them to get them to have these new skills of storytelling. And when that happens, 
I've just gotten so many great results. Even after I leave at the beginning of the two-day summit, they go, your presence is still felt here. We're referencing everything you said. It's set us off on a whole new t- way of explaining our story in a way that makes us irresistible. You know, Our revenues are already up. The team's inspired, and we've got new tools we can start using immediately. That's just, that's a, it's brilliant. And uh, it was real, real pleasure. And when people say things like that, it actually means, means so much, doesn't it? It does. Uh, I always remember seeing a CEO after um, a big program that I'd, I'd done of a, a big company. And, I, and he, he bought me lunch, actually, mm-hmm. to reflect on the event. And I said, you know, how did it go? And he said, he said, Chris, that was the third most significant event of my life. Wow. And I said, like, wow. So I said, wow. And I said, what were the first two? And he said, well, when my mom died and then when my brother died. Mm. And you know, that's lived with me now for quite a few years, you know, the impact of that session on him, um, which is, you know, and the, and the fact he, he opened up and shared that with me, it's been a few years, so I'll, I'll share it now, but, um, you know, that means more than what they paid me. Yes. Yes. There's no reason to get up in front of an audience to speak unless you have information that's going to help make their lives better. Yeah. So, so tell me what, what are the final messages that you'd like to leave us with today? You know, the famous tennis pro Arthur Ashe said, the key to success is confidence, and the key to confidence is preparation. So I just want to encourage everyone to prepare because it'll make you more confident and it will ultimately make you more successful. Fantastic. Hey, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you, you, Chris. I think there's lots of um, of takeouts in this about, uh, I love the ladder, you know, getting to being... um, um, irresistible uh, from you know not being uh, not being kind of visible i love um just talking exploring more about about storytelling and why that's important and how we use it and how we you know connect from a you know gut heart head uh, sort of level and uh, that you know your thoughts on fears let's let's just get on with our lives and uh, move forward let's engage with people and um and you know make sure that we're not invisible uh, and, and stand out and actually it's more fun when you do that as well and I also get a real sense with uh, with John I interview a lot of people on the show and I, I've had a real sense with John that he's uh, he is the real deal in terms of the work that he does and uh, very very professional he's got great testimonials and things on his website from you know, amazing companies like Coca-Cola so I recommend if you're looking for you've got a conference coming up and you're looking for a, a great uh, speaker for that event somebody can also you know roll his sleeves up and, and, and run some great workshops and things around it too then you know do go and check out John Liversay at uh, johnliversay.com and on next week's show I have um, a gentleman called Scott Kane uh, Scott is uh, doing something quite amazing i don't know if you're familiar with um, the concept of park runs um, but scott is is um city by city developing a system where you can kind of run to work and use local facilities uh, showers and things like that so you uh, you can turn up in the office having had a run but also get um clean and freshened up and he's uh, he's building something quite special about that and he's got real his real expertise is in is in cities and urban design and development and so we're going to look about uh, look at you know how by getting yourself fit and uh, and, and exercising and not using the car, how that benefits cities and and how um, you know engaging with your employees to do that as well um, will build them you know greater levels of engagement and will help your business really overperform. So wonderful. If you've got any questions or comments, do send them to me at chris at chriscooper.com. Uh, thank you again for um, John Liversay and I wish you all well.
We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.